Well, it's nice to see that so many people have gathered, but you see the book is finished. <laughs> but don't be disappointed. Um, we saw up to last time, those of us who have been attending the class regularly, we know that the bulk of the book, the main purport of the book has been covered. Drig Drishya Viveka. What the author wanted to say has been more or less covered, uh, but there's a sort of tail end, end section where a special issue has been taken up. We read the 32nd verse. Avichinna chidabhasa stritiya svapna kalpita vigyaya strividho jiva tatradya paramarthika. This is where we stopped last time. Um, it means the individual, us, you or I, can be thought of in three ways. One, the witness. Two, the empirical individual, the person whom we consider ourselves to be right now. And three, the individual we find ourselves in dreams, in our own dreams. We also exist in our own dreams. We interact and um, we experience dreams and in our dreams we are there. So that's the third kind of individual. Uh, these three individuals are being spoken about here. You see, why is this section started? Where does the question arise? When you speak about Brahman and we, the individual, we are actually Brahman, we land up in a philosophical um, dilemma. If you are Brahman or I am Brahman, then who is it that is attending a Vedanta class? Brahman doesn't need Vedanta. Who is it who is in ignorance? Brahman is not in ignorance. Who is it that re needs spiritual realization? Brahman does not need spiritual realization. I do, true, but you are telling me that I am Brahman. So this nature of the individual who is seeking spiritual liberation, who is struggling, who is suffering, who is questioning, who is the spiritual seeker, what is the nature of this individual? Who is this individual? Ultimately we are Brahman, that's true. But right now, who or what is this entity? So here the thing becomes quite mysterious. And language finds it difficult to deal with this. I remember, um, I myself had a, had a very interesting experience with uh, Swami Bhuteshanandaji Maharaj, who was the 12th president of our order. Many, many years ago, it was about 18 or 19 years ago, I happened to be present in Belurmat at the headquarters of our order in the quarters of President, Revered President Maharaj. At that time, Bhuteshanandaji was the president. And uh, there used to be question answers every day. And I was an absolutely new novice. So and it was a small room, and there would be a big crush of, and the senior monks would get to go in. We wouldn't have, there wouldn't be space enough for us. So we would have to stand outside the room. And they would put little speakers out on, outside the room on the windows, and a little microphone on his lapel. And the Swami was, at that time, 98 years old. 97, going on 98. And the mind so sharp, so clear, a luminous mind. Um, 
It's a remarkable combination of the head and the heart. So loving and yet so such a luminous spiritual mind. Anyway, that day I remember the questions took a very interesting turn. You see, we all had this intuitive feeling that here is an enlightened soul. Most of the senior monks, we felt that this person must be enlightened. So the question that day was, what is the experience of an enlightened soul? If you realize you are Brahman and everything is Brahman, it's one consciousness, existence, bliss, everything is God. And yet after that also we find the enlightened person walking about just like us, talking and eating and seeing the differences. He recognizes each devotee separately. He knows what is food and what is not food and where to go and where not to. All these things, all differences which are apparent to us are also seem to be clear to him, to this enlightened person. So how, how does this enlightened person see everything as God? So such questions were there in our mind. So he asked him. And I remember the senior monk who was asking these questions, putting these questions to Swami Bhuteshanandji Maharaj. He said, Maharaj, we see that the enlightened person is walking around, talking just like that, eating just like us, seeing difference, quite apparently seeing differences in the world. And his answer was, that's what you see. Now follow this carefully. The next part is tremendous. He said, that's what you see. In Bengali, Then immediately the Swami took this opportunity to ask the real question. That's what we want to know, Maharaj. What does the enlightened person see? What does the enlightened person see? That's what we want to know. And the answer, I'll give it to you, see what you make of it. The answer came immediately. I was struck by how immediate the answer was. Like a person talking about something that that person is experiencing first person vividly right now. He didn't have to think, here's a question, what do the scriptures say about it? What is the philosophical answer? No, straight. Swami, that's what we want to know. What does an enlightened person think about it? What does an enlightened person see? And the Swami replied, who sees? Mysterious answer, but I think the only befitting answer. In Bengali he said, Ke dakhe. Now, what does it mean? I can go on explaining, but those are my explanations. I've just given you his words. His words are very short. We see so enlightened person acting just like us. His answer was, that's what you see. Well, what does the enlightened person see? That was the question. His answer was, who sees? Now, Shankaracharya. In the 13th chapter of the Bhagavad Gita, this question comes up after a long discussion. The questionnaire asks, um, if I am Brahman, then who is the one in ignorance? Who is the one in ignorance? See how Shankara ha handles, Shankaracharya handles this question. Who is the one in ignorance? Shankaracharya says, why do you ask? So I'm asking because I don't know. If you don't know, then you are in ignorance. Look at the question, then if I am Brahman, Brahman is not in ignorance, then who is in ignorance? Why do you ask? I ask because I don't know. If you don't know, you are in ignorance. <laughs> now, this is the difficult question. And here, the author felt he should add a section explaining, taking up this, this difficult question. 
and the approach he takes up is think of your experience of yourself the individual in three ways param i'll give you the sanskrit then the english paramarthika vyavaharika and uh, he says swapna kalpita um or you can call it um pratibhasika now these are technical terms i'll give you the english translations literal translations and then easier translations paramarthika the absolute reality vyavaharika the empirical reality or the empirical individual when you say vyavaharika jeeva you mean the empirical individual pratibhasika jeeva the illusory individual like you find in a dream so three consider three categories three experiences one is paramarthika the absolute the reality an easier translation and when one to which we can all relate right away because we have been studying drig drishya viveka the paramarthika jeeva is none other than the witness the drashta drig drishya viveka analyzing the seer and the seen the seer the witness the consciousness which watches which illumines all activities of the mind that consciousness is paramarthika the absolute reality swami vivekananda speaks of in his lecture he has a very simple term for this he says the real man and the apparent man the real man and the apparent man this paramarthika jeeva the witness is also what swami vivekananda calls the real man real man does not mean a man the reality within us what we really are the second one vyavaharika jeeva the empirical individual is what we experience ourselves just now unless you are dreaming just now if you are awake and listening what we you and i we consider ourselves to be right now is the empirical individual the vyavaharika jeeva and the third one the pratibhasika jeeva the illusory individual is what we experience ourselves in dreams every time every time we dream every night we dream a fresh dream comes and in that we are an individual we also are a part of our dreams that individual that's also an experience we experience ourselves though we say it's false so let's call it a false individuality or illusory individuality so three now how do these three come about how do these three come about one the paramarthika jeeva the absolute reality the witness it comes about when in pure consciousness illumines the mind when pure consciousness illumines the mind in your consciousness thoughts shine thoughts come up are cognized and they disappear in that pure consciousness that pure consciousness then becomes the witness of your mind so the pure consciousness in association with the mind in association with the mind the word here used used is avachinna now translated as as you will see limited i don't want to use that word because limited gives the sense of the pure consciousness being somehow bound limited cut off actually it is not limited it's only associated with associated with it is the illuminer of the mind it's like here we are in this room and there is a space inside this room and there is a space outside this room the walls of this temple 
they demarcate the space inside the room and the space outside the room. But as far as space is concerned, really the walls do not demarcate anything. You see, space cannot be demarcated by anything. Space cannot be limited by anything. It is one continuous space. And yet to us, it, it's so clear. This is inside and that's outside. That's just because of this, these walls. It will become even more clear. This, the beautiful example, this glass of water. When I move this glass of water, is the water moving with it? Yes, yes? obviously, otherwise it will be a mess out here. So when I move the glass of water, the water inside moves with it. Now there is space inside it. There is obviously space inside it. When I move the glass of water, does the space inside the glass move with the glass? Some will, immediately some will say, yes, of course, there is a space, it's moving. No, the truth is it appears to move with the glass, but the truth is the glass is moving through space. The glass is moving through space. If you keep water in the glass, it will move with the glass. But the space in the glass does not move with the glass. The glass moves through space. Space is not at all affected by the limits imposed by this glass. So we cannot say that the space inside the glass has been limited by the glass. It's only associated, that too associated in our minds. Space has nothing really to do with the glass. In the same way, pure consciousness is not limited by the mind. You see, this is... Avachin is a technical term. In Nyaya, it, the correct translation, technical translation will be delimited. Um, but that is again more complicated, so I'm not using that. Just say associated with. That's the first uh, idea of individuality, the real individuality, pure consciousness. Now, what happens is, when the pure consciousness is a witness of the mind, shines upon the mind, it gets reflected in the mind as reflected consciousness, chidabhasa. Pure consciousness, chit. That is the paramarthika jiva. The reflected consciousness, chidabhasa. That is called the vyavaharika jiva, the empirical individual. It's just like if I get a mirror in front of my face. Now my face is the original face. The moment I get a mirror, what will be there in the mirror? A reflected face, yes. Immediately there will be a reflected face in the mirror. That's not my face. But it's a reflection of my real face in the mirror. In the same way, pure consciousness shining upon the mind gets reflected in the mind. Chit, original consciousness, reflected in the mind. Chidabhasa, literally the reflection of consciousness in the mind. What is the reflection of consciousness in the mind? The awareness in our minds which we feel just now. The sentience that we feel in our minds just now. That is the reflected consciousness. And that constitutes the Vyavaharika Jiva, the empirical individual. Immediately notice the difference between the witness and the empirical individual. The empirical individual, Mr. So-and-so, Mrs. So-and-so, Swami So-and-so, it exists only as long as the mind is functioning. The reflection of the face exists only as long as the mirror is there. When you remove the mirror, the original face continues to exist. There is no reflected face. Similarly, when our mind shuts down, imagine every day in the night our mind shuts down. We have absolutely no experience of the empirical individual. Mr. So-and-so, Swami So-and-so, Mrs. So-and-so, all of us have exactly the same experience of blankness. 
a uniform blankness. The pure consciousness is still there, we are not aware of it. The pure consciousness is still shining upon the blankness. But the reflected consciousness is not there. The witness is still there, the empirical individual is not there. And there is a third individual which is the uh, apparent, the illusory individual which appears in dreams. What we do in dreams, the character that we play in dreams is the illusory individual. So three individuals. Now he is going to use this framework and only this framework in the next few verses to explain the status of the individual. First, the next two verses we'll talk about the witness, the absolute reality. Now let's go to 33rd verse. Avacheda kalpitasyad Avacheda kalpitasyad Avachedyam tu vastavam Avachedyam tu vastavam Tasmin jivatvam aropad Tasmin jivatvam aropad Brahmatvam tu svabhavataha the limiting factor, the mind, is unreal. It's a name and form. But that which is apparently limited by the mind is real. Avacheda, the limited, limiter, the mind, which is associated with, with Brahman, with pure consciousness, that mind is an illusory name and form conjured up by Maya. The pure consciousness shining upon the mind is real. So the witness which shines upon the mind, the mind itself is an appearance, name and form, conjured up by Maya. So it is not real. The limiter is not real. The limited, that's why I'm saying limiter and limited within quotes, the limited Brahman is real. In such a situation, can we really call the pure consciousness the limited? We cannot call it the limited. It is an infinite consciousness. So, the individuality, jiva, the jiva nature of the pure consciousness is superimposed upon it because of its apparent association with the mind. I'm sorry I cannot make it any simpler. The, the individuality of pure consciousness is a superimposition, is an appearance, is an error brought about by its apparent association with a mind or by its association with an apparent, apparently real mind. Jivatvam aropat, the individuality of pure consciousness comes because of superimposition. Brahmatvam tu sabhavata, its Brahman nature, existence consciousness bliss is its real nature. That witness thinks of itself as an individual because of the superimposition of the mind in association with the mind. In itself, it's not an individual, it's infinite consciousness. That's all it says here. Now let's go to 34. Avachinnasya jivasya Avachinnasya jivasya Purnena brahmanaikatam Purnena brahmanaikatam Tattvam asyadi vakyani Tattvam asyadi vakyani Jagur netara jivayo Important verse. It is this witness, apparently limited by the mind, this witness consciousness, 
which is one with Brahman. Whenever we say Vedanta teaches us Jiva and Brahman, the individual and God are one and the same, I am Brahman, I am existence consciousness bliss, which I are we talking about? It is this witness I, this pure consciousness shining upon the mind. This alone is one with Brahman, not the reflected consciousness in the mind and certainly not the dream individual in our dreams. That witness which appears to be limited by this mind, that in reality is one with Brahman. So this apparently limited individual, avachinna jiva, purnena brahmanekatam, it is one with Brahman. It is Brahman. That witness within us, that consciousness which we are shining upon our minds is Brahman. That itself is Brahman. Where do we learn this? From the Mahavakyas, the great statements of the Upanishads. Tattvamasi. We are familiar with it. That thou art in the Chandogya Upanishad. So the Mahavakyas, the great statements of identity which we find in the Upanishads. They sum up the message of Advaita Vedanta. What does Advaita Vedanta teach us? In one sentence, that thou art. You are Brahman. Now all this analysis answers which you. There are three yous we are talking about. One is the pure consciousness apparently associated with the mind. The other one is the reflected consciousness in the mind which we feel just now. And third one is what we are when we dream. Which one is one with Brahman? You are Brahman. Which one? I right now? With body and mind and interacting, attending a class? No. That of which you right now are a reflection. The real you of which this apparent you right now is a reflection. That real you is one with God. When? All the time. Now after attending a Vedanta class? No. Whether you attend a Vedanta class or not, that real you is always one with God. Is, is the same, exactly the same as God. It says, Brahmanai Katam. It is one with God. It is identical with God. Mahavakya, the great statements of identity. The famous statements are one from each of the Vedas. Tattvamasi, that thou art, is taken from the Chandogya Upanishad, 6th chapter, which is from the Samaveda. Tattvamasi, Chandogya Upanishad, Samaveda. The other well-known Mahavakya's statements of identity found in the Upanishads are Aham Brahmasmi. Very straightforward. I am Brahman. I am Brahman. Which I? That pure consciousness apparently associated with the mind. I am Brahman. Pragyanam Brahma. The consciousness within me is God, Brahman. This is taken from Aitareya Upanishad, from the Rig Veda. This consciousness within me, which consciousness are they talking about? Not the reflected consciousness, not the dream consciousness. The consciousness which is apparently associated with the mind, the witness of the mind. That is Brahman. The fourth Mahavakya is Ayamatma Brahma from the Mandukya Upanishad, Atharva Veda. This very self is Brahman. This very individual is Brahman. Which individual? Not the one who dreams, not the one in the dream, not the one who feels I am an individual attending a Vedanta class, not that, the witness right now. That is Brahman, that self is Brahman. So this is Mahavakya. 
and he adds a word purnena in totality in completeness you see there are philosophies we interpret in this way i am brahman means i belong to brahman brahman is the lord i am the devotee or i am the servant of brahman a duality is set up not like that another interpretation is i am a part of god we say we are a part of the divine fire we are a spark of the divine not even in that sense exactly the same the pure consciousness within you is brahman brahman is the pure consciousness within you which means if is the pure consciousness within you is the real you then the real you is not this body if the real you is brahman god then brahman then you, this real you cannot be this body it cannot be this mind it is brahman and if brahman is the real you in reality there is no shiva vishnu durga kali allah god in heaven apart from the real you it's an equivalence in both ways identity in both ways you are none other than god god is none other than the than you and what this analysis shows us which you is meant not the body mind the little individual yes you have a question yes for me what is the then the process of reincarnating okay we'll see that's the second you one which is reflected in the mind that's the one we will come in fact your question will be answered in the next verse or the verse after that right so what is the question was people write from the internet you know they write that we can't hear the question we can only hear the answer the question was if my real me is one with god then which is the me which reincarnates which goes from body to body which is this person now was something else earlier will be something else later maybe in in other lives so which is that person that's exactly the question all this analysis is supposed to answer which is this individual me it's coming 35 yes all was brahman yes but the all is definitely brahman but the discussion here is about the individual about who am i if i am brahman then who is this person that's the question so then they set up three things the real you which is one with brahman the apparent you which is right now here and the dream you which you dream at which you are in your dreams so that's being analyzed now but of course yes everything is brahman brahman appears as everything now why do all these things appear why couldn't brahman have simply remained as brahman would have solved a lot of problems <laughs> 35 let's see the answer answer we know already know is maya ब्रह्मण्यवस्थितामायावृत्याखंडतामस्वृत्याखंडतामस्जगज्जीवकल्पेत simply covering ground which has already been covered just doing it in a different way why does brahman appear as an apparent individual and as a dream individual and why this why does this world appear because the pure consciousness in association with its inexplicable power called maya brahmani avasthita maya maya dwelling in brahman or maya the power inexplicable power of brahman what does what is it like it has two powers two activities 
ವಿಕ್ಷೇಪ ಇಟ್ ಪ್ರೊಜೆಕ್ಟ್ಸ್ ಇಟ್ ಡಿಸ್ಟಾಟ್ಸ್ ಆವೃತಿ ಇಟ್ ಹೈಡ್ಸ್ ಇಟ್ ಕವರ್ಸ್ ವಾಟ್ ಆರ್ ದ ಟೂ ಫಂಕ್ಷನ್ಸ್ ಆಫ್ ಮಾಯಾ ಆವೃತಿ ಮೀನ್ಸ್ ಕವರಿಂಗ್ ಇಟ್ ಕವರ್ಸ್ ದ ರಿಯಲ್ ನೇಚರ್ ಲೆಟ್ ಇಟ್ ಕವರ್ ದ ರಿಯಲ್ ನೇಚರ್ ಆಫ್ ಬ್ರಹ್ಮನ್ ವಾಟ್ ಇಸ್ ಇಟ್ ಟು ಮೀ ಇಟ್ ಕವರ್ಸ್ ಯೋರ್ ರಿಯಲ್ ನೇಚರ್ ಇಟ್ ಇಸ್ ಎವ್ರಿಥಿಂಗ್ ಟು ಯು it is because of our real nature being covered that we consider ourselves as suffering limited individual subject to birth and old age and sickness and disease and death it's that it's because of that we do not know what we really are so it has one function is covering the real nature and the other function is projecting how does it cover and how does it project avrityakhandatam tasmin it covers the the undivided indivisible nature of brahman brahman is one without division it's one existence consciousness bliss without a second that nature that oneness is hidden and what is projected in its stead individuals and the world all separate from each other you think you are separate from uh, uh, from that person that person thinks he separate from her we all think we are individual beings and here is a world of difference in front of us billions of creatures exist living and non living everything in front of us all this difference is projected when the non different the oneness of existence is covered up by the covering power of maya and the projecting power of maya then acts and shows this entire variegated universe that very brahman through the prism of maya appears to be jagat the universe and jiva the individual the apparent individual that is the projecting power of maya then what happens answer to your question 36 once the world has appeared and once we are appearing as individuals then what happens jivo dhistha chidabhaso jivo dhistha chidabhaso bhavet bhokta hi karmakrit ಭೇದ್ ಭೋಕ್ತಿ ಕರ್ಮಕೃತ್ ಭೋಗ್ಯೂಪೂತೂತೂತೂತೂತೂತೂತೂತೂತೂತೂತೂತೂತೂತೂತೂತೂತೂತೂತೂತೂತೂತೂತೂತೂತೂತೂತೂತ
consciousness reflected in the mind. Who is this jiva? The face in the mirror. It's not you. Right now, what we consider to be ourselves is not us, it's our reflection. You see, when we get freedom, when we get emancipation, when we get salvation, when we get moksha, we do not get freedom. We get freedom from ourselves, from this limited individuality. This limited individuality, you burst out of it. And it's figurative language. You realize yourself as the infinite, who was never limited. You realize yourself as the real face, who was never in the mirror, just appeared in the mirror. Now, unfortunately, this person is trapped now as a reflection in the, in, in, the, in the mind. And then what happens? The moment I consider myself to be in the mind, associated with the mind, whatever happens in the mind becomes mine. Whatever happens to the mirror will happen to the reflected face. Isn't it? Water on the mirror, face is wet. Dust on the mirror, face is dusty. Similarly, he says, Bhokta Karmakrit. All happiness, all misery, I am happy, I am miserable. Truly, that reflected consciousness is in the mind, the midst of the mind. So whatever happens in the mind, I am that. Desires come, I want. Moment you are in the mind, associated with the mind, identified with the mind, worse comes. Because the mind is intimately connected with the body. The moment I am associated with the mind, I, this is my body. I am this body. Then I become absolutely identified with mind and body. The problems of the body, I am sick, I am ill, I am old, I am dying. Body is truly sick, old, dying, all problems are of the body. But it becomes my problem. Because I am deeply involved with the body now. I am reflected in the mirror. Whatever happens to the mirror, happens to the reflection too. So, bhaved bhokta, all experiences, happiness and sadness, good and bad, becomes that consciousness's experiences, that individual's experiences. Now, why does this person get all these experiences? Karmakrit. It is the doer of all actions. It becomes the agent. Moment I am connected with the mind, with the sense organs, and with the organs of action, then it seems to me, yes, I am the one who is speaking. I am the one who is listening. I am the one who is seeing. I am the one who walks and holds and does things. The moment I do things consciously, voluntarily, I fall into the law of karma. If I do something, it's a cause. It will give a sure effect. Good, good. Hmm. Dharma, punya. Punya, sukha. Bad, bad. Adharma, Papa. Papa, Dukkham. From good actions, merit. From merit, happy experiences, pleasant life. From consciously done bad actions, which my own conscience tells me it's wrong, result is Adharma, Papa. Papa, demerit. Result of that, unpleasant experiences in life. And that's our life. That, that becomes the lot of this individual, the jiva, the reflected consciousness in the mind. And what does it experience? Bhogya rupam idam sarvam jagat. This entire universe is the arena of experience. The entire universe is the arena of experience. This samsara, this world we have got. It is our experience. It is exactly what is due to us. 
It's a bank which does not take any commission. What we have put into it, it gives it back to us. So, bhogya rupam midam sarvam. This entire universe is our arena of experience. What is this universe? He says, bhuta bhautikam. This universe is nothing but the five elements. Space and air and water and fire fire and then water and then earth the ancients they knew of the universe as five elements in fact the ancients of all cultures including greece china india all of them thought that the universe was made of five elements they didn't have our complicated periodic table and whatever but anyway the idea is five material elements they go to make this universe and bhautikam and things derived from these five elements combinations of these five elements that's the universe and that's what we experience. Who experiences? The second individual, the reflected consciousness in the mind. Thirty-seven. When did it start, this reflection? The question should come. Here is the answer. Anadikalam arabhyam Anadikalam arabhyam Mokshat Purvam Idam Dvayam Mokshat Purvam Idam Dvayam Vyavahare Sthitam Tasmat Vyavahare Sthitam Tasmat Ubhayam Vyavaharikam When did it start? There is no start. Anadikala, from beginningless time. Uh, without beginning, without any beginning. And you're avoiding the question. You're escaping the question. When did this process start? Well, it's not avoiding the question because space and time are also projections of Maya. It's like asking what happens before time. Before and after are reasonable questions to ask only when you have time. Before the concept of time, again, you cannot use the word before. And space, it's like asking what is their outside space. Well, outside and inside makes sense only in space. So outside space does not make any sense. Similarly, before the beginning of time does not make any sense. So anadi, beginningless. But the real thing is, the important feature is, it has an end. This process has an end. Time must have a stop. It has an end. What is the end? The end is realization, God-realization. Realization of yourself as pure consciousness. He says, starting from without start, without beginning, and yet with an end. Moksha Purvam, up to moksha, up to freedom. There is enlightenment and then freedom. Up to that point, these two are continuing. Which two? The reflected consciousness, and the world, universe of its experience. Universe of experience, the name and form, everything around us. Stars and planets and people and our ex life. And the reflected consciousness going through this, plodding through this life after life. There's a beautiful song written by Girish Ghosh. Um, the scene is the young prince who's going to become the Buddha is sitting and the Gandharva celestial beings are singing. The song is like this. Um, from whence do we float on the stream of life? 
Where are we coming from? I do not, we do not know. Where are we going? We do not know. In endless time we float thus. Burdened with this huge burden of desire, sin, guilt, helplessness. This huge burden on us. And we float along. From whence we come and to where we go, we do not know. This is samsara. And it has been going on since endless time, beginningless time. And it will go on till we get enlightenment. Like the Buddha got enlightenment. Till that point it will go on. Vevaharistitam. Since these are empirical matters of experience. Both are called empirical. You, the, the reflected consciousness and the universe of its experience are called Vyavaharika. This is a term one should learn in Advaita Vedanta. Vyavaharika, relative, empirical. There is a cruder term for it, which prob probably the author is not using for fear of hurting our sentiments. He is saying this world, what is this world? It is empirical, transactional. Vyavahara literally means transactional, transactional, empirical. Well, the Advaitins have another word for it, mithya. It's false. It's false. Jagat mithya. So, vyavaharika, empirical, transactional, relative, is equal to false also. Appearance. And it has been going on since beginningless time. One young brahmachari asked a senior swami once, how do we prove that this, is, this maya has projected all this, you know, because of ignorance all this is happening, how do we prove this ignorance? He says, don't try to prove ignorance, young monk. Try to overcome ignorance. <laughs> Trying to prove, you see, technically there's a fault in this question. Trying to prove something, you require a proof. To prove something, you require a proof. A proof is a source of knowledge which establishes something. Every source of knowledge is opposed to ignorance. If you try to use a pramana, to establish a jnana, it will never succeed. It's like trying to say, by which light can I see darkness? By which light can I see darkness? By no light, because the moment you switch on a light, the darkness is gone. So try to overcome ignorance, young monk. Do not try to prove ignorance, establish ignorance. 38. We have left out the poor dream individual. We are talking about the real witness and the, the Vevaharika Jiva which we are right now, reflected consciousness, pure consciousness, reflected consciousness. But what about the dream individual? What we find ourselves in dream? We also are, have an individuality in dream. Every time we dream we have a new individuality. So he's mentioning that. Chida bhasa sthita nidra Chida bhasa sthita nidra Vikshepa vritti rupini, Vikshepa vritti rupini, Avritya jiva jagato, Avritya jiva jagato, Purve nutne tu kalpayet, Purve nutne tu kalpayet. The reflected consciousness which is there in the mind, it's always there in the mind. As long as the mind is active, it will be there. When is the mind active? When you are awake. The very fact that I am awake means my mind is active. Again, when is the mind active? When we dream. The fact that we have dreams are coming up, mind is active. When is the mind not active? In deep sleep. 
So as long as the mind is active, there will be a reflected consciousness. As long as the mirror is in front of you, there will be a reflected face. When I turn the mirror away, there will be no reflected face. In the same way, when the mind shuts down in deep sleep, there is no reflected consciousness. But as long as the mind is awake or the mind is in a dream state, there will be a reflected consciousness. In, when the mind is awake, the reflected consciousness is called Vyavaharika Jiva. You are right, as, as we consider ourselves to be. When the mind is in a dream state, the same reflected consciousness will now act as a dream individual. And the mind in that, in that state will produce a dream world. With what material? Not Bhuta Bhautikam, not with the five elements. It with the samskaras, with the impressions gathered from our waking state. It will use those memories to generate a virtual world. Nowadays we can easily understand it, virtual reality is there. Well, much more powerful than our virtual reality, which we can do in uh, Silicon Valley or whatever. The mind, each individual mind, it generates an industrial strength virtual reality every night. So there's some very heavy duty virtual reality gear in our mind. It makes, imagine the difference. Philosophers have long been aware of this. Imagine, um, say a house. Try to imagine the picture of a house in your mind. It's so vague and so difficult to hold on to. But imagine the same mind in a dream projects a clear world, no effort required. Just blazes forth an entire world of dreams. People, houses, rivers, um, cars and actions happening and thoughts, everything happens. So the mind generates a virtual reality and the reflected consciousness in that mind becomes a, a, a dream individual. But he says, Nutne, new, every time. Every time you dream, it's a new dream. It's a new you. But that you is not connected with the dream of the past. It's not that you can have a pizza now and it's time to wake up, let me put it in the dream refrigerator, the dream pizza. And tomorrow when I go to sleep and dream, I'll take it out and eat it, no chance. The Vavaharika Jagat, the relative world will continue from day to day. But the dream world is conjured up anew every night. So he says, every night you have a new dream individual and new dream world. They may be similar, but they're different. 39. This is exactly what I said just now. What you see in a dream, the people you see, the things you see in the dream, and the person that you are in the dream, in your dream, not the person who is sleeping in the bed, the person you imagine yourself to be in the dream. These two are created afresh in every dream. They exist as long as you are seeing the dream. It's, it's not like they exist, even when you are not seeing it, they will exist. In an empirical world, we are there when you see me. When you go away from this class and you don't see me, I am still there, hopefully. But in the dream, if you see a person and you are talking to a person, that person is there in the dream, 
only as long as you're dreaming. You can't carry on the conversation in the next dream. You can't say, okay, I've got time for me to wake up, I'll come back tomorrow and talk, continue the talk with you. No, you cannot do that. That person will go. That person is there as long as you are dreaming. So, pratiti kalevete, the world of dreams and the persons you see in dream exist as long as that dream continues. And hence they are called pratibhasika, this Sanskrit term, illusory. One who wakes up from a dream, swapna prabuddhasya, when who wakes up from a dream, daily, when we wake up from the dream, we wake up and say, oh, that was a dream. Uh, two reactions. Oh, too bad, that was a dream. It was, you won the lottery or something. Or if it was a nightmare, thank God it was a dream. But in both cases, once you get up, puna swapne stiti na. If you dream again next day, those, that world and that individual, we will not find. Different world, different individual, different, maybe similar, but different. Prati Bhasika Jivoya Tadjagat Prati Bhasikam Vastavam Manyate Anya Vastavam Manyate Anyastu Vastavam Manyate Anyastu Mitheti Vyavaharika Mitheti Vyavaharika Simple. When you are in the dream, when we are in the dream, what we see and ourselves, we think it's real. Rarely do we think that what we see ourselves in a dream, it's a dream, it's false. No. We think it's real. We feel it's a real world. We, are, we behave as if it's reality. Pratibhasika jiva yastad jagat pratibhasikam vastavam manyate. The illusory individual in the dream and the illusory dream are seen to be understood to be real in the dream. But when you wake up, when you wake up, you, the vyavaharika, the vyavaharika jiva, when the reflected consciousness in the waking state, when you become this person and you look back upon the dream and you say, mithya, false, it was false, it was just a dream. Maybe a good dream, maybe a bad dream, it was just a dream. Okay, so what's the point? The point comes in the next verse. 41. Vyavaharika jivoya Vyavaharika jivoya Tadjagat vyavaharikam Tadjagat vyavaharikam Satyam pratyeti mithyeti Satyam pratyeti mithyeti Manyate paramarthikaha here is the point. Our world, the world which we see right now, we consider it to be real. How real? I am real. This is real. And so the Vyavaharika Jiva, the, the empirical individual, the reflected consciousness in the mind, considers itself to be a real individual interacting with a real world. When that individual gets enlightenment, awakens to its uh, absolute nature, the witness, pure consciousness. Then looking back upon this world, it will consider it to be an appearance. It will consider it to be an appearance. It will still see it. Look, the difference is this. 
When you wake up from your dream, you don't normally inhabit the dream world anymore. The dream world disappears. Because you are seeing a new world, a, a relative world, the waking world. But when an enlightened person, the person gets enlightenment and again looks at this world, will still see the same body, will still have the same mind and, and the, the world also, everything will be the same. You also will be there, don't worry, you won't disappear if one person gets enlightenment. All will continue as it is. But from that person's point of view, he will consider all this to be an appearance and Brahman alone to be real. You will clearly see it is Brahman alone appearing as all of this. This is the difference. This world will still continue appearing. The world will not disappear. That person, when that person is in Samadhi, Antarmukha, will not see, experience the external world. When that person is not in a trance or not in, uh, absorbed, when is interacting with the world, using the body and mind, everything will appear to that world. Through eyes, that person, enlightened person also will see forms, we also see forms. Through ears, he will also see, hear sound, we also hear sounds and so on. But the difference is, for that person, forms and sound and smell and taste, all these are appearances, Brahman alone is the reality. Very clear for that person. One uh, well-known sadhu in, uh, was a, uh, realized and considered to be an enlightened person, he was asked, so an enlightened person is always aware of Brahman, that knows that he is Brahman and everything is Brahman. Is that true? How is it? What's it like? Is this world like a shadow and Brahman is something there or is Brahman like something like a light or something like that you see? That person replied, that day sometimes you see the sun and the moon in the sky together at daytime. He says, look, there is the sun blazing forth and faintly on the other horizon is the, is the moon. For an enlightened person, the awareness of Brahman, that everything is Brahman, he himself is Brahman, everything that is experienced is actually Brahman, is as clear, blazing forth like the sun. And the world of name and form is an appearance like that faint moon. He says so clearly. Now, experience through eyes and ears and nose and everything will be the same. Is the knowledge which is different. The drishti. Earlier it was Jagat Drishti, now it is Brahma Drishti. Satyam Pratyeti Mithyeti Manyate Paramarthika. This world we consider to be real as long as we are not enlightened. Even though we may read Vedanta and say that I am Brahman, but until it becomes a reality, not just repeating something that uh, we are reading, and, and, and that's good, repeat something that we are reading is good, it's a good practice, but unless we know it, unless it becomes a living reality for us. Up to that point, we keep on considering and behaving as if this world were true. Now here I want to make a clear distinction. Advaita does not say the world is true as long as you are unenlightened and the world becomes false and Brahman becomes real when you are enlightened. Advaita doesn't say that. Advaita says Brahman alone is true whether you are enlightened or un unenlightened. The world is false, whether you are enlightened or you are unenlightened. It's only the enlightened person knows it, it's a matter of fact for that person. The unenlightened person doesn't realize it. That's the difference. Remember, when you are seeing the snake, and later you realize, oh, it's not a snake, but it's a rope. When you were seeing it, at that time also it was not a snake. Don't say it was a real snake and then when I realized it's a rope, then it became a rope. No. It was a rope all along. Don't blame the rope. It was a rope all along. 
You saw it as a snake. It was your mistake. When you were seeing it as a snake, at that time it was also a rope, equally a rope. And the snake you saw was an appearance, false. And when you realize finally it's a rope, the rope continues to be the rope. Similarly, Brahman is Brahman, you are Brahman, existence, consciousness, bliss, right now. After enlightenment, you'll still be existence, consciousness, bliss. Then what good is enlightenment? The enlightenment is, then it becomes a reality to you. What good is that? The good that it does is this, Atyantika Dukkha Nivritti Paramananda Praptishya. All our miseries, all our problems are because we regard ourselves as not Brahman. And we regard this world as not Brahman. When we regard ourselves as one with God, as existence consciousness bliss, and we regard everything in the universe as nothing other than existence consciousness bliss, then we have absolutely no, pro no problems. All sufferings come to an end. It is bliss. Bliss within and bliss without. Everywhere. So, after realization, that's what happens. I still remember one Swami in the Himalayas telling us, when he would teach us, he would tell us, he would look at us and tell us, Tum jano yana jano, tum mano yana mano, tum hiram. Whether you know it or not, whether you accept it or not, you are Rama, you are God. Hmm. Alright, so I'll end here and take maybe one question, we have time for a question. And then in the next class, we'll bring this to an end, a conclusion. Um, let me do the Shanti first. Om Shanti 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 Hari Om Tatsat Shri Ram Krishna Rupanamastu One question. Yes. Ah, it's a good question. Does an enlightened person see problems or not? An enlightened person can understand why we would consider something a problem. Old age is a problem, and uh, suffering is a problem. I mean, disease is a problem. Uh, people, um, violence is a problem. Inequality is a problem. So these problems, which we consider to be problems, an enlightened person would certainly understand our point of view and would perhaps understand it better than us. And it's not that the enlightened person becomes cold-hearted. Rather, the enlightened person is very soft-hearted. Enlightened person is overcome with, in what the Buddhists say, Mahakaruna, the great compassion. And that's why the enlightened person shares his or her enlightenment with us. Sri Ramakrishna gives the example of three friends who were walking along and they came to a high wall. They, they wanted to see what was on the other side of the wall. And with great difficulty, one of the friends climbed up to the top of the wall and on the top of the wall, he started dancing in joy, seeing what he was there on the side. How wonderful, how wonderful. And two friends thought, what's wonderful? And before they could ask, he jumped on the other side and is gone. The two friends, they said, we must see what's going on. And the second person with great difficulty climbed up on top. And the same thing, started dancing with joy. Oh, wonder, what joy, what bliss. And jumped over and on the other side, he was gone. Third person saw this won't do. And he climbed with great difficulty on the wall. And he saw on the other side a great fair. Um, they, in India they call it a mela, a mart of joy, festivities, wonderful things were going on. And he was so overcome with, to see so much joy and happiness. And he was about to jump and join the, those people on the other side. Then he thought, who will tell the people in the village, the world? Let me go back and call them. 
So he turned around, jumped down, and came to call us. So the enlightened person is like that. Thank you very much. We'll meet again next Tuesday. Yes. Yes. Well, we can talk about it, but those elaborations will only be my theories. Your, your guess is as good as mine. Who sees? You see, our idea, I'll just say this, our idea is an enlightened person is just like us. You know, some, I am a person in this body. An enlightened person also is something like that. Uh, another person in a body. Well, it's probably it's not like that. That's what Bhuteshanji was trying to say. But I was struck by the power of his response. What does the enlightened person see, Swami? That's what we are asking you. And his answer was immediately, who sees? Okay, that. All right, thank you.